Um, you know, the Lord has really been telling me about to believe. And, um, and, and today's message is going to call, it's going to be called believe. <laughs> there were so many ways I wanted to word this. And so me and apostle Pete last night, I was just like, I'm just going to call it believe. Um, but walking out, how do you walk out to believe? Because it's, it's a process. It's not something you wake up with, you get saved and all of a sudden you believe in everything God does. That's not the process of it. So how do you walk out the process of believing? And that's what the Lord was showing me this past week because, you know, my spiritual father was here, our covering was here, and, and, I, and I started having glimpses because he was sharing things with us when he was here. And he's like, I remember, you know, when, when you were, you know, just barely, you know, starting out because he was there with me in the beginning. And, um, and we had our moments of that. So the Lord was reminding me, he was like, you know, you need to share the journey and the process that we went through for an out time because it just didn't happen overnight. And so I just want to kind of take you on this journey with me, how the Lord showed me. And I want it to be a teaching for you that you can grab hold of it for yourself. That um, um, I want you to sit there this morning, and this is what the Lord told me to tell you to do. It's think about when you first got saved, okay? If you have to close your eyes, close your eyes. But think about when you first got saved and you came to know the Lord, Okay? Then I want you to go from that place, and I want you to think of yourself now. And I want you to realize how much you've grown in believing. Let me tell you why. Because the situations in your life have helped to change your belief system. When you are in desperate need for God, and you had lack in your life, or there was a struggle in your life that came to you that you didn't expect to go through. In those moments of struggle, in those moments of having a hard time, there was a desperation that came upon you in that moment. And in that moment, you cried out to God. And in that moment, when he responded to your desperation, you began to believe for what it was you needed breakthrough in. And when you saw him come through for you in such a mighty way, you then believed. Because you knew. See, the simple things we're okay with. We're in lack of finances. If I pray, God will provide. We're, we're okay with those things. But for some reason in our mind, <laughs> we sometimes have a hard time with the supernatural. But this is the process God is taking us all through right now, is to believe for the increase and the greater that he's going to show us, okay? How he started with me was that one day I was in worship, and see, I didn't choose to have encounters. I didn't go to God and say, I want to have encounters because I didn't know what encounters were. I didn't go to God and say, oh, I just want to have visions and dreams because I didn't know the word enough to know that it even existed in the word where prophets and other past people had experienced him in that way. 
So I didn't have a grid set like, okay, this is the way I'm going to cry out to you. I, I came very simple-minded. I came as a person who was desperate in darkness who just needed a break. And I was tired, and I was worn out, and I knew my way was not helping me do anything right anymore, that I had to make some kind of change inside myself, okay? One day I was in worship, and the Lord showed me this big piece of clay. And I just saw it like a picture. Well, I wasn't used to seeing things like that. And at first I was like, God, I don't know why I'm seeing a picture of some clay. And then I felt inside myself, I'm going to describe it how the process I went through in the journey. Inside myself, I felt inside myself, which I didn't know was Holy Spirit at the time. I just knew that something inside myself was telling me, if you just become the clay, I'll be the potter. And then I saw the clay transform from the clay to the pot. So in that process of him, me letting him be the potter and me the clay. See, the thing about clay is that if it's not, if you don't keep it moist, it gets hard. And it no longer is pliable. So we have to keep the oil coming because the minute that, our, that we become, because we're the clay, right? The minute we become hard and we're no longer pliable to be molded is the minute he can't teach us any longer. We begin to shut the door for the Holy Spirit to come in and be our teacher at that point. So in Isaiah 64, 8, it says, verse 8, it says, And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. See, the forming and us being the clay, it came from the very beginning when you said yes to him for your salvation. You became the clay to be transformed at that moment. You said, yes, I give you all of me. I give you all my heart. I want the salvation that you have for me. But at that moment, you chose to be the clay. But see, that comes with surrendering. Because if you aren't surrendering yourself in 100% to him, then you no longer are pliable. He no longer can come and mold you into the person you were originally created to be and to do, like to become. You, your clay will become hard. You, you, you'll become hard in some areas. You might be soft in some areas that you've overcome, but then in the difficult areas, there's some hardness there. I only know because I'm telling you what my journey. And the Lord had to work with me through this. I grew up Catholic. I don't have anything against the Catholic. I love the bits and pieces because the Lord knew I needed bits and pieces of what they had to give me when I was a child. I needed the honor part. I needed to honor Holy Spirit. I needed certain things that they gave me in my life at that moment. 
But then I came to a place with the Lord that I had to become the clay. And it wasn't just one of those things, well, I'm going to go and let the priest tell me everything I need to know to guide me in my life. It was like, now I need to go and become the clay and let him mold me and who he called me to be. And I have to walk this journey out with him to help me believe. Because I'm going to be completely honest. When I tried to kill myself, that was the very thing I asked the Lord when I was 15 years old. I said, if you're real, then you will show up for me. Because I didn't believe There is so much confusion and so much this and that and religious things that I had learned. I knew how to memorize all kinds of prayers. But me as a person, I had to come to a state of surrendering with God and being the clay. So it didn't matter how much I knew up here. That went out the door. When I started seeing pictures and I started feeling his love and there was a something tangible that came upon me and I couldn't explain it and I couldn't go to the scriptures to find some of the things I was dealing with, I was like, all I kept thinking about was, I'm the clay, you're the potter. I'm not going to try to figure you out. I'm not going to try to overthink the process you're taking me through right now. Because the minute I overthink it, I will become hard. And I will not be pliable anymore. And, and, and you can't make anything with hard clay. I was thinking about that this morning. And I remember as a kid, I went to my cousin's house in Lubbock. And I was a little kid. See, everything that's happened into your life up until this point, the Lord was in every single thing. And as you grow in relationship with him, he'll show you those things as a child to remind you that, hey, I was speaking to you, but you didn't know me. You didn't know me the way that you know me now, but I'm going to show you how I was showing you then of what is to come now. And so I remember we, my, my cousin had these little molds. And she says, hey, it was during Easter time. And she said, let's make these little molds of rabbits. And then after we make them out of the clay, we can mold them. And then we can let them dry, get hard. And then we can paint them. And the Lord was like, do you remember when you were a kid and you went through that process? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, That's the way it is. I'm trying to mold you to look like me. I'm trying to mold you that you look like your father. But you can't let yourself get so hard that you no longer become pliable, that I can't come in your life anymore to direct you and make you the, be the potter in your life if you're not letting me. Because it's us that stop him from coming in and being the potter. It's not that he doesn't want to or that he's left you or that he's deserted you because it says in the word of God, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He never has. 
So knowing the scriptures and knowing he's never left you, he's never forsaken you, now you become the clay. Now he's the potter. Now it comes in surrenderance. And you get to a point of not overthinking things anymore, and you're like, man, just mold me, God. I was broken already. Why not let him put me back together again? Not up to me to put myself back together. It was up to him to put me together. Because if I were going to try to do it in my own will, in my own power, I would make the same mess that I already was. I would be broken the way I already, I already was broken. Yeah. So, so then you go to him and you say, yeah, Lord, I'll be the clay and you be the potter. When I first started uh, having these things happen to me that I never was taught growing up, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I knew that there was miracles because in my religion, we would go once a year to a place in Mexico that they had saw the Virgin Mary. And because they saw her there, somebody had a miracle and got healing that I knew it somewhere in there there was a little bit of truth. But it wasn't the real truth that I needed to hear because it wasn't that that healed the person. It was the Lord. Amen. So all those little pieces were getting me ready to understand and to believe in the act of miracles. Even though they were distorted, because the people, that's all they knew was about the Virgin Mary, they made it about the Virgin Mary. It wasn't that they deliberately did something wrong. It's because that's all they knew to be at that moment. So that's how they perceived it. In the beginning, the disciples never understood <laughs> what Jesus was doing when he walked the earth. They didn't. He was teaching them the new covenant. They had an old covenant mindset. He comes in and he's doing radical, crazy things. <laughs> and they're looking at him like, what just happened? How did you get dirt from the floor, spit in it, put it in somebody's eyes, and they were healed from being blind? It blows your mind. If that were to happen today, believe me, the newspapers from the town would show up at our front door and say, what is going on here? Something's not right. There would be an offense in the church. They would be offended. Because how Jesus walked in a radical, crazy, awesome, powerful thing. He was trying to make them to look like him. And they had to become the clay because he was the potter. They had to be so flexible. And believe me, he corrected them all along the way. <laughs> Old covenant would show up, he would come with correction. Old covenant would show up, he would come with correction. 
Now we try to do it to disciple people, and they get offended, and they leave the church because they think we're trying to control them. <laughs> so I want to tell you this. How can you believe in something you've never seen? Right. But see, faith has action. So if there's no action with faith, faith doesn't mean anything. In Hebrews 6, 11, 6, and without faith it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him. Hebrews 11.1, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. We know all this, okay? Knowledge. We know it well. People have learned the scripture well. They probably have it all over their houses. But are you moving in it? Have you become faith? Have you become the clay that, per, that works in faith? What have you recently done? Just to yourself, you don't have to say it out loud. What have you done recently in faith that has stretched you, that is beyond your comprehension of your mind? Because in your mind, if you know the result of something, that's not faith. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to get a paycheck. You know that's going to happen. That's what happens. That's, that's the outcome of working. You get a check. So let's take away the job, and then the real faith comes in that the money's still going to come even without the job. That's faith. Because you don't know how you're going to get it or where it's going to come from. So it's not an act of you doing something and knowing the result of it. It's you doing something and not knowing what's going to happen afterwards. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct your path. That's a hard one for us, isn't it? Lean not into your own understanding. All your life, you were taught a certain way. Here comes the Lord. He says, trust me. Don't lean in your own understanding. Everything you've been taught all your life, don't lean on that anymore. Walk with me in faith. Walk with me in believing that you're trusting in me is so deep. You don't know the outcome of it. You're not leaning on your own understanding. That means your knowledge, your mind. But because you say, I trust in you, it's easier said than done, right? <laughs> I trust in you, but still in your mind, something keeps popping up. That's causing you to lean on your own understanding of what you were taught all your life that keeps popping up. 
Is this real? Can this really happen? Can I miraculously be given a car when I've never experienced anybody giving me a car before? See, it's all new. You've never experienced it. You've never had it happen to you. So how are you going to believe in something you've never seen? But that's what true faith is. When you believe in something you haven't seen, we were not there when Jesus was crucified. We were not there seeing him on the cross, but we know it happened. We know that it was powerful. We've read it in our scriptures. But, and I, I'm telling you this because I go through this with people who don't believe. The atheist. And they'll question the very crucifixion of Christ. We weren't there. We didn't see it. But we believe it happened. Right? So that belief has to come from Holy Spirit inside of you, building you as the clay and him the potter to walk with you in this journey to help build how to believe with him. We had a, our last night here in this last meeting. <clears throat> we had an impartation of a miracle mantle. I don't know how many were here that night. But there was a mantle being released over us and prayed over us. And it's not just saying yes to that mantle. It's believing that God will do it. It's walking it out. See, if he were to tell you, I'm just going to give you some examples of what this miracle mantle, just tidbits of what I've seen in my life, okay? Tidbits of what I've been around, okay? Man comes in with AIDS. He's dying of AIDS. Jesus tells you, pick him up and shake him and I will heal him. Spin him upside down and shake him, and I will heal him. Will you do it? He did it when he got the dirt, and he put it in somebody's eyes because God the Father told him to. Let me tell you the verse that goes along with this, 1 Corinthians 1.21. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put to shame the wise. The God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the, three, the things that are mighty. That's why he does those things. Because he wants to get us out of our mind, out of the way we've been taught. Lead not into your own understanding. And he tells him, and this man gets healed. My uncle, our uncle did it. He was so in belief of what God was going to do of healing that God told him to pick the man up, flip him upside down, and shake him. And when he did it, the man left healed. And when he went to the doctors, he got a report and brought it back to the church. But let me tell you something. If you were in the audience that day, you wouldn't be clapping and cheering it on. You would be offended. You would be trying to figure it out in your own understanding and in your mind. And you'd probably get up and leave and offend it with God because he did it in a way that you didn't understand. Come on. Come on. Good. 
there's a shift coming of fullness to the church of God. And it's a, it's a shift of moving in power for the kingdom of God. Not just saying it, not just memorizing it, not just going around like we're sweet little, little Christian doers. I remember going through the process, and in my mind, I said, I'm crazy. Why would God have me do something to make me look so foolish? Because I had a lot of pride. I grew up in pride. I was very conservative how I grew up. And here comes the Holy Spirit, and he says, I want you to punch this person because I want them to encounter the light that's inside of you, the same light that came to you the day you try to take your life, and they're going to have such an encounter with the light of the kingdom of God that they're going to be transformed. So what do you do? Yeah, you say that now, but to do it is another thing because your mind is racing. Your mind is racing trying to understand, God, if I do it, if I do it in faith, will the outcome be what I think it's going to be? Because you don't know the outcome. You don't know if this person's going to get mad and ticked off and be angry with you because you just punched them in the stomach. You don't know if the, the, church, the people in the church are going to be offended and bothered because you did something of demonstration of radicalness that they don't understand. Your mind goes crazy. Lean not into your own understanding. And then I stepped out in faith and I said, hey, I have nothing to lose. I was broken. I didn't want to live. I wanted to die. I did more radical things for the world than I did for God. And when you, you put the two together... And you didn't give a crap when you lived in the world of what you looked like or how you were perceived, running around drunk, falling all over. And you didn't care what anybody said about you then, dancing all, you know, not right, not appropriate, speaking in a foul language that you were never meant to talk in with a beer and some liquor in your hand. We didn't have a problem doing that. Getting high, being addicted to a drug. We didn't have a problem with how we looked. We get into the church and all of a sudden we have a problem. All of a sudden we're limiting what God wants to do in the church because of our own understanding. Well, God's supposed to look this way. He's supposed to be this way. You don't know him then. You want to get to know him, get to know him so that way you understand how he moves in the Holy Spirit. That he's not one to, to walk away from something difficult or something hard or something not in his own understanding. He only did and said what his father told him to do. Some of you can't even take the direction from your leaders. But oh yeah, I'm going to move in faith and move the things of God. Because we're stuck in our ways. He had to mold me. He had to break everything down inside of me. I, I, I was listening to Smith Wigglesworth last night. And he said, I, I died a thousand times. 
Why did he have to die a thousand times? That's something I say, and it made me laugh last night when I heard it, because I understand that saying. You have to die over and over again to your flesh, to yourself. So that way you can be molded to look like him, to talk like him, to move like him. When he moved in the miracles, it was radical. It was radical faith. It wasn't just something, oh, yeah, I would say yes to Jesus. If he came to me to lay hands on somebody, I would do it. But he told you to wear that T-shirt tonight and you didn't wear it. He told you to go to this place you never went. I'm just speaking truth, people. There had to be a molding that happened to me. I had to die to myself. If you met my family, you would know how conservative we were. For me to even think about doing the things that the Lord has had me do would have been offensive. And I had to not lean on my own understanding. The devil is after our flesh, but he cannot have our spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. And the access to your flesh is through your mind, through your own understanding. Mark 9, 24 talks about the son who was sick. He needed to be healed. Jesus comes on the scene. The father instantly cried out, I do not believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. If you don't believe to that extent in action form, not just saying it, not just thinking it, but in action form, something happening behind the words that you're saying out of your mouth, then what happens is you have to cry out to God and say, help me with my unbelief. That when he tells you to do something that you choose to believe, at some point of your life, you can have all the scriptures you can have them memorized. You can know the scriptures from the front of the Bible to the back. But if your belief system, how you believe, has not been transformed to move the way Jesus moved in miracles and healing and the radical Holy Spirit that was with him in those times when the demons cried out because they were just because the presence of him walking by them was so powerful. That's for us. We're supposed to walk like that. We're supposed to talk like that. We're supposed to become that. That's why he came to demonstrate it to us. It was, it was not something that the Pharisees in those times could have understood. And they were okay with it when it was quiet. But as soon as it started impacting and bringing transformation to a generation, then it was an issue. Oh, this has gone on too far. We got to stop this. People have seen too much of the kingdom of God. We, we can't find it in our scriptures of what they had in their hand already. We can't 
find it here where it said, yes, there's, we got a scripture here that says the Messiah is coming. He's, he, they didn't believe he was there. Lean not into your, not under, your own understanding, right? They didn't believe he was there. They denied it because it didn't look like what they knew to be in the old covenant. It wasn't the types. It wasn't the, 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 the lighting the candles. It wasn't the, the temple-looking form. It was the temple coming alive and becoming something that walked the earth. It was real. And it, and, and it was like the Lord just stood up to become everything they had learned before. And now it was put into action on the earth to transform our minds of what we knew to be because he was doing a new thing. Because it was new, I don't think Jesus knew. the. He didn't know the outcome sometimes. He just did what his father told him to do and to say. It didn't mean he had access to the outcome. Think about it. He didn't know what was going to happen when he got the mud and he wet it with his spit and then put it in somebody's eyes. But he knew the Holy Spirit was there with him, leading him to do those things. He trusted in God in such a way that he was like, man, I know my God. He will not fail me. He's walking this journey with Jesus. And he's saying, do what I say. Say what I say. And you won't go wrong. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the very thought you should have in your mind when the Lord comes to you and tells you to do something uncomfortable. And the Lord tells you to do something, to be a risk taker and step out in faith and action to begin to do things for his kingdom. Well, that was just for the olden days. That happened back then. Hebrews 13a, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the Jesus that walked on the earth. He's still the Jesus that walked in power. He was still Jesus that caused the demons to scream out. He's still the same. He has not changed. We change him with our leaning on our own understanding. But he doesn't change. He created us, right? We're, we're, we're on identity all the time, right? To know who he is, right? To know who we are in him. Be the clay. Well, I don't understand this, God. It doesn't make any sense to me. That's the best place to be. That's when you really know you're the clay. That's when you really know that Holy Spirit is amongst you in your life to come and mold you to strip away the old way of thinking, the old way of doing things, to step into what he has for you now.
you know, and uh, there was a, I love this saying here, but in Mark, the great commissioning, Mark 16, 15 through 18, and he said to them, as you go out into the world and preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race, whoever believes in good news is and baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe the good news will be condemned. And these miracles, signs will accompany those who believe. They will drive out demons in the power of my name. They will speak in tongues. They will be supernaturally protected from the snakes and from drinking any poisonous thing. And they will lay hands on the sick and heal them. That's the great commissioning. Well, I'm waiting on God. When God says, you know, to walk out my my calling to be a prophet, when God says that I'm to heal people, I've gotten like 10 million words, I'm, I'm going to have healing in my hands. I'm going to wait on God. When God gives me a word that I'm a prophet to the nations, well, I'm going to wait on God to get the, the, prophet, the prophetic to the nations. But the great commission has already come. The, you've already been commissioned. You've got a stamp of approval already from him. He's like, approved. Oh, he's my son? Approved. Oh, she's my daughter? Oh, you're approved. But we constantly disqualify ourselves in our own understanding. For some reason, this is really crazy. <laughs> but it doesn't... <laughs> It's okay. I literally have pasted all this stuff, and now it's gone. Lean not into your own understanding. Right? The Lord knows why. But the Lord this morning was talking about dunamis power. I remember years ago, one of my leaders came up to me, and it was one of those powerful worship moments. And they came up to me, and they all grabbed me, and I was, like, thrust. And they were like, you're going to move in dunamis power. And I was standing there, and I was like, yes, Lord, let me move in dunamis power. <laughs> and then afterwards, I was like, what is dunamis power? <laughs> <laughs> Have I gotten those words before? <laughs> you're in the spirit. You're like, yes, Lord. <laughs> and then after, afterwards, you're like, what does that even look like, Jesus? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> this is how, how I could just say it was purity the Lord gave me. Because he didn't want me to ever become prideful in knowledge. And what I knew, that he had to come mold me, and he would speak things over me and helping me grow with him in the journey. And I didn't understand it, but I believed it because I felt the presence and the spirit of the Lord fall on me in the moment the word was released. And because I felt it, I believed it. 
That's why he says, be like a child. Because when you're a child, children believe everything you tell them. Be like a child and believe it. What is dunamis power? It is dynamite, dynamo, dynamic, strength, power, or ability. Mark 9.1, Jesus went on to say, I tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the kingdom of God arrive in great power. That's why I don't understand why everybody wants to leave the earth so fast. I won't even use the words they use because I don't agree with them. Why do you want to leave the earth when you're called to move in great power? And it says in that scripture, we won't die until we see it happen. We won't die until we see the power of God manifested again here on the earth. Heaven's waiting on us. We're not waiting on heaven. It's the opposite. I, I, I can tell you a million times I've heard people say, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. I'm wait-. No, you already have the great commissioning. Read and mark the great commissioning. You're commissioned. Now go out and do it. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for to step into your destiny, into your purpose, into your call? What's holding you back? Lean not into your your own understanding. You'll never understand what God has you do. He'll give you glimpses and pieces, but you won't understand the fullness. Because if if he showed it to you all, you would be scared and run away. Because his thoughts toward toward you are greater than you think of yourself. He sees you massive and big in the spirit, this warrior. You see yourself as this timid, broken person in sadness and no outlet to move out of sometimes. But the Lord looks at you and he sees you as his masterpiece. I was in Birmingham, Alabama, when I began to see the video of Schombach. Schombach ran through these streets. He ministered in this area. He understood dunamis power because he talked about it. And he tells this story about him being in a meeting with A.A. Allen and the little boy who didn't have any feet. He had club feet. And he tells us, I remember we played it one time for the church when we first moved here. It was when we were in a whole nother building. Some of you weren't even a part of us back then. But we played it because we wanted you to see the power of God that happened that day. The mother was desperate. She had spent all her money She didn't have anything left. And on the very last night, something happened. And A.A. Allen, at that moment, I can't even imagine the process he went through because we're all human. When the Lord told him to pick up the little boy and kick him across the room. 
Because if he did that, he was going to be healed. Because he was a man of great faith, and up until this point, he had already seen God heal so many people by the things that he was obedient to do by leading of the Holy Spirit, that when this happened, he said, I have nothing to lose. I trust in you, God, so much not to lean. And I've seen you come in miracles after miracles after miracles. If anybody knew A.A. Allen, he had tens of miracles everywhere he set up because that's how the Lord used him. We're talking about a miracle mantle we're supposed to be moving into for the impartation we got. Okay? So the Lord comes to him and tells him to get this little boy in the last night and kick him. And the mom is there weeping and crying. She's desperate. All she wants is her son healed. I believe that very cry to God in desperation pulled the heavens down that night. Because when we're desperate for something, we won't stop and give up and walk away until we see it happen. She stayed there, no money, no nothing, and she did not give up. She was persistent. And the very last night, Sean Bach picks up this, uh, A. Allen picks up this little boy, kicks him across the room, and all of a sudden, things begin to grow out of this little boy. His, his feet that he didn't have begin to grow out. Parts of his body that he didn't have began to manifest in the natural, and they grew out. His bones came back into place the way they were supposed to be because the little boy walked around all scrunched up like a baby, like this, because he couldn't move his limbs or his body parts. And then the Lord came and touched him and healed him. Out of an act of dunamis power, that came when A.A. Allen made a choice that night to be obedient to do what God said to do. What would have happened if he would have come to God and said, Jesus, it's not here in the scriptures to kick a baby across the room. Jesus, I've never heard of that being done before. What am I going to tell the people, Jesus, when they come to me with all the questions of why I did that? He couldn't live his life that way. If he lived his life that way, always questioning and overthinking everything, he would have never moved in the miracle mantle that God had given him from the beginning of why he was even created. He would have been overthinking everything. He followed Holy Spirit to the T. Holy Spirit said to do something to somebody. He went and did it, and then he saw the healing come, and God manifest on this person. He wasn't the healer. Jesus was the healer. To move in a miracle mantle, I'm telling you something. It's not an easy thing, and it's not a simple thing, but it's a powerful thing to move in it. You can't wrap your mind about the things that God will have you say and do at times. You can't. You'll never figure it out. 
and you move in faith and action, and you say, I'm just going to do it in faith, God, and let you do what you need to do. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to move out of the way so you can manifest and do kingdom work on the earth like it was always supposed to look like as Jesus walked the earth. You can't get past in your mind how you're as righteous as Jesus. How am I going to be like you, Jesus? I just sinned and I sinned and, and I made a mistake and I did this and I did that and I'm not worthy. And, da, 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 da. and your list goes on. And you can't even get out of yourself yet. You're still stuck on yourself and what you look like. And God's like, that's not how I see you. That's not how I perceived you. I created you to move in dunamis power with a miracle mantle to bring healings to the earth, to begin to call things out and then manifest and happen with the authority that's inside of you. Become an authority person that what you say has power. Don't just talk because you can talk, but let the power of God come inside of you and begin to manifest in the natural what's already we've seen happen. We've seen too many miracles of God. We've got video footage of the miracles of God that have transpired on this earth. But we still go back to a place of unbelief. Let me tell you something. When the Lord showed up in those five weeks and people were being healed, this is what we got. Pastor, Pastor, you have proof of the healing, Pastor? Do you, you have some kind of paperwork that proves that the person was healed? And we're looking at each other like, you know, the sad thing was that some of the people that come knocking on your door are the same people that were in desperation that needed healing for their own body. They believed it when it was for them, but they can't believe it for others. You didn't need proof for yourself to be healed. You were okay with you being healed by the, the touch of God. But when it came to seeing it happen for somebody else, you couldn't believe for your brother and your sister to be healed. How, what kind of selfish act is that? But we're supposed to be called laid down lovers for him. Wouldn't you want your brother and sister to be healed? If they could be healed, wouldn't you want them to be out of suffering and in pain? If you could bring them relief? If your heart's not even positioned to see your brother and your sister healed in compassion towards them, the way Jesus walked, then you need to re-do something with yourself in the presence and being with the Lord. You to go before the Lord and take it to the Lord. Because I'm not the one that healed that person. I'm not the one that caused them to be touched, to be healed. You got to take it back to the maker, the one who heals, the one that divinely does things. You take it up with him. Your contradiction, your, 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 your bitterness in your heart, everything that you feel that moment of not believing, you take it up with God. Don't take it up with your leaders or people. You take it to God and you stand before the throne of God. And you say, God, was this real God? Help my unbelief, God. If I don't believe, help me believe. 
say, man, help my unbelief, God. Help my unbelief, God. That I can begin to believe the way you believed when you walked the earth and people were healed and delivered. I remember I was, I think it was my husband asked me one day. He said, why do you want to see people healed? And I said, because I'm tired of seeing them suffer. And didn't he take everything on himself of the world not to see us suffer? It's the blood that he shed on the cross. Are you trying to tell me it wasn't enough to bring healing to the world? There's power in the blood of Jesus. And we've kind of moved away from that. We've kind of moved away that there's power in the blood. We're okay with the blood. We're okay for him dying for our sins. Oh, yeah, Jesus, you died for our sins. I believe you died for our sins. Yes, thank you, Jesus. We have our salvation. But he didn't just die on the cross for your salvation. He died on the cross so you could become like him. So you could be a demonstration of his power here on the earth. He didn't just die and take the beatings upon himself so you could sit there and say, oh, yeah, I know about faith, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know about faith. I had faith enough for my bills last month, and they got paid. I have faith enough that I have some money in my pocket to put some gas in my car this week. But then he says, no, let's, let's pull on greater faith. Every general and book of the generals I've ever read, it always talks about a greater faith. We have not touched that greater faith. We have not even seen a glimpse of it. Because if we have, we would see the dunamis power here on the earth more often than we have, and we haven't seen it yet. Because we're so worried about people, what they're going to think about us, what they're going to say about us. And they're leaning on their own understanding of what they've been taught. That we step back. Sometimes when God says to do something, we lean on our own understanding and our own doctrine. You know, I'm just going to be totally transparent with you. I love the word of God, but I love the living word of God. I don't love the word of God that sits in some pages in black and white. I love the word of God that comes alive in your life, that is manifested and demonstrated every single bit and part that he talks about that we can move in and do greater than we will do than he did. What did he mean by greater? We don't know what it looks like. We've never experienced it. We've never encountered it. It's not in the scriptures. That will blow your mind. If it's not in the scriptures, oh, 
I'm done. I don't believe in it. I don't believe it'll happen. I don't believe. Well, let me tell you something. If you have a child sick like that lady did in Birmingham, you will believe. You will believe in a place of desperation. If it's you sitting there who has been sick, if it's you sitting there that needs the miracle from God, if it's you that's sitting there that needs a touch from God and you're in a desperation mode, guess what? You're going to believe. Why? Because you have no other choice. You've done everything you could, good, you could do in the natural. You've done everything you can. I was hearing a story last night, Smith Wigglesworth. This will really blow your mind. And I love it. I want him to blow my mind. I want him to stretch me to have a greater faith than what I've even read in the scriptures. And he goes to this lady's house, and her whole family's are this little young girl. And he's sitting there with the family. And he says, y'all haven't slept in days. This little girl's dying on her deathbed. And he says, you know what? He says, all of y'all go to bed and get some sleep. Because you haven't slept in days. And the mom and the brother and the whole family says, no, we can't. We can't go to sleep knowing she's dying. Smith Wigglesworth grabs his little briefcase, grabs his coat, and is about to walk out of the room. And the family says, they were desperate. And they were like, no, 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 sir. Whatever we have to do, we'll do. If we need to go to bed, we'll go to bed. Whatever we need to do, we just want her healed. Whatever we have to do, we'll do. So they went to bed. From 11 o'clock p.m. till 3.30 in the morning, Smith Wigglesworth is sitting by this little girl's bed, and he's praying and praying and praying and asking God to come and touch her and heal her. As he's sitting there, the little girl dies. Her face turns purple. She's gone. He tells God, God, I know you didn't have me leave my home, which was pretty far away, to come here, that you weren't going to demonstrate your power. And he sat there, and he continued to pray, even though she had died. And continued to pray till 3.30 in the morning. And as he was praying at 3.30 in the morning, a light came in this little girl's room. And he said, I began to see the face of Jesus walk into the room. And he says, and when I saw that, I knew that the Lord was going to heal her. God comes in the room, heals the little girl. She gets breath back into her body. She gets up out of her bed. She's been in bed for weeks, dying, about to die. She gets out of her bed. She gets dressed, puts her, her dress on, washes her face, cleans herself up. Her family wakes up at 3.30 in the morning to come see how's everything going. They come in and they're in awe of what God has just done. She's walking around like if nothing happened to her, like if she never died. That's greater faith. That's the great commissioning of seeing the dunamis power of God come into a place, not giving up. One thing he said, he says about long-suffering. What is long-suffering? Patience. Patience.
patient, waiting on God. We can't even sit in a service for more than two hours because we can't wait long enough for God to move. We got to go have lunch and go do our things of our own, of our own self. But if God told you to sit in your chair day and night for somebody to be healed, would you do it? Would your mind be in your work or wherever you're supposed to be at that moment? See, because that's what true revival looks like. When our church back home went through the revival, they were there every single day with the doors open. And they would have missed out on the opportunity of seeing the miracles come in and happen if those doors would have been shut. And if everybody, everybody would have gone back to doing their everyday business. When God shows up with this dunamis power and this miracle working God that he is, everything stops. And if it doesn't stop for people, then there's a problem there. Then the God of all gods that you serve, the king of all kings that you serve, has not meant to you as much as you think he did. Lay down lover, right? Are you willing to sacrifice for somebody else? We don't see much of that anymore. We won't even give our food away sometimes for the, for the fear of lacking our own home. Because poverty and mindset has set in so bad that we're scared and fearful to lose all that we have. I've lost all that I have. I've been at the highest point in my life, and I've been at the lowest point in my life. And I will tell you what, only him can bring you from your high points and your low points. And if you don't have him, you don't have anything. You will be lost and confused without him. Let's stand up. So today as a house, we will do a declaration to believe. And when this miracle mantle manifests in this place, which God's not a liar, if he brought it forth to us, then we need to know how to steward it. Just like we do anything else. If he's giving you a prophetic word, guess what? You need to know how to steward the prophetic word. If he's giving, whatever he gives you in your call, you have to learn how to steward it. If you're called to worship, if you're called to do flags, whatever it is that he has you doing at this moment, you have to have him help you steward it. You cannot do it by yourself. God. This morning or this afternoon, Lord, we cry out to you in desperation, God. Oh, Lord, we don't even know what faith looks like, Lord. We don't even know what greater faith looks like, Lord, because we've never seen it in our lives, some of us, God. Maybe some of us have, Lord, but, but we forget, Lord. We forget those moments where we stepped in greater faith, Lord, and desperation for healing, Lord. But today, God, today we take 
foot, and we take hold of this region, Lord. That in this region, Lord, that unbelief will have to leave. And that the believers again will begin to rise up in truth again. Oh, oh nothing else matters, God. But what you have already told us, Lord, nothing else matters, Lord, than your manifested presence and dunamis power that it manifests here on this earth, Lord. That we will not shy away, but we will move in boldness that you put inside of us. So, God, I pray for boldness, boldness to come on us, Lord. That when the miracles come, God, we will say yes, 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 and amen. Yes, 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 and amen. Just begin to say that out of your mouth because there's going to be some breakthrough in some of you this morning. Yes, 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 and amen. See, it's not about us anymore. It's about you, Lord. Who cares what we look like? Who cares what we sound like at times? Who cares, Lord? Because the only thing that matters is the manifestation of your kingdom here on earth, Lord. So we pray, Lord, help our unbelief, Lord. Help our unbelief to begin to believe again, Lord. To believe in the fullness, the fullness of what you've spoken over us and through us, Lord. Not just bits and pieces of your scripture or your word, Lord, but the fullness come to life inside of us that the living word would come out of us and it would be demonstrated for a generation to see God. Today our youth, God, we're raising money for, Lord, and they have to see the power that is in your kingdom, Lord. They have to see the and the signs and the wonders, God, that we leave a legacy for them to grab onto, God. Because if we don't demonstrate it to them, then who will, God? Who will show them, God? We are responsible to show the next generation, God. That's why it's important we say yes. Yes, yes, and amen every single time because it's not about you. It's about the, gen the next generation seeing and catching wind of how real the Lord is, that he is faithful, that he is so real and tangible in our lives that there will be no unbelief anymore. And in those moments that you feel yourself Stepping into unbelief because of your leaning on to your own understanding. Then you cry out to God in those moments. And you say, God, help me with my unbelief, Lord. Help me to understand, not leaning on my understand, my own understanding, God. But teach me the ways of your kingdom, Lord. So we just ask Holy Spirit right now.
that you would impart to us supernaturally to know how to believe again. It's always been ours, God. It's always belonged to the kingdom, God. And the only one that makes us sick is Satan. It is not you, Lord. So even this miracle mantle that was released to us, God, we do not take it lightly. We take it, Lord. We take it, Lord, with the fear of the Lord. And I just ask that all of us would begin to have the fear of the Lord in our hearts again, to know that you are the Almighty One. You are the healer of every person, Lord. You are the miracle worker, Lord. You are the miracle worker, Lord. And we receive and agree this morning as a house here, as believers who will believe in the miracles, God, in the signs, in the wonders, Lord. And we will not reject it when it comes. Some of you need to say it out of your mouth this morning. I will not reject it when it comes. Even if it doesn't look like the way that I know it to look like, Lord. I won't reject it, Lord. Lord, today we become the clay, Lord. You be, you be our potter today, Lord. That you would begin to mold us to look like you, Lord. <laughs> oh, we're going to look so much like you, God. When we pass people on the streets, we're going to smell like you, Lord. <laughs> we're going to sound like you, Jesus. <laughs> and then we're going to become that faceless generation where all they see is the Father and they don't even see us anymore. <laughs> Why do we want people to see us when he's so much more beautiful? <laughs> to see his face, the way that the face came in of the Lord when he healed that little girl. That's all I want them to see, Lord, is to see your face, Lord. That when they see your face, they're going to be transformed, Lord. We speak this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.